Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Chris. And uh, if I did the math right, uh, as a church community inclusively, at the beginning of this hour, we just completed 24 hours of service time uh, for Holy Week. Um, so yeah, uh, you all win the medal. You're here as we've completed a day of worship um, in that sense, um, and a week in another, and we're still going through. Uh, I was raised here at Church of the Resurrection, um, but unlike uh, many children here, I was not baptized um, as an infant um, because my father came from a Baptist background, uh, and he wanted me to be able to decide for myself. And so I would have this challenge toward the end of Sunday morning services at Resurrection uh, because the services could be kind of long, and I would notice all the other kids right around the end of the service could go forward, and they would, like, get a snack, it, there was this bread and this juice, and I was like, man, that would be great. I mean, I, I'm, it's getting close to lunchtime, and I don't, get to, I don't know why, but I don't get to get the snack. So uh, eventually, I figured out the connection, that it was because I wasn't baptized and the snack was Holy Communion. Um, and so when I was in about first grade, I went to Dad, and I said, Dad, I think I'm ready to get baptized. And, and Dad, you know, he took these things seriously, and, and so he said, well, do you know what baptism means? And I said, yes, I know what baptism means. So Stuart baptized me in a creek here in DuPage County, um, and then I was able to, to have the bread and the juice at the end of church services. Um, now, the, the application of my sermon is not that Holy Communion is snack time. So if you tell Bishop Stuart that that's what I taught, um, I'll be upset with you. Uh, but, uh, you know, we can blame it on sleep deprivation, if nothing else. Um, but that's not the application. The point of that story um, is that we can all uh, identify with that experience of just physical hunger, right? Uh, maybe right now, some of you are thinking, maybe I should sneak out to Res Cafe before the sermon gets underway. Um, we all have that sense of, man, I just really wish I could have some food right now. But I think we're all familiar with another kind of hunger, too, a sense of life hunger or of spiritual hunger, a sense of, I need nourishment for my day ahead. If you've ever finished a day and just felt like, wow, that was so good, I had what I needed today, don't you just fall asleep so much better? You have a sense of, I, I just had what I needed today. I, I was nourished. I was well-fed. But so often, it's just the opposite for us. So often we feel like the resources of life are simply inadequate for the demands and needs of life. We are hungry. So I want to turn to our passage in Isaiah today because it speaks to this need of ours. And the promise of the Bible in this passage is that God wants to nourish you. He wants to give you just what you need for your life. It says, come, Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. God is saying, I want to give you what you need. And not just the little bit that you need. I want to give you an abundance. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. God wants to give you sufficient resources, abundance for your life. It can be hard to believe that, though. It can be hard to believe that the offer that God gives is really good. I mean, we've read in this passage words that speak of its goodness, 
Um, it says, listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. God's saying this is really good, but so often in life, we can have a sense of, I don't know if the offer is good. If you've had a sense of being hurt in a Christian community or in the church, or even just a sense of disillusionment or disappointment in your own walk with God, you can have a sense of questioning, is it good? Is the offer good? Or am I going to go hungry? And so how do we know that we can trust God's offer here? How do we know that it's good? Well, one way we can know is because God is simply being true to form in making this promise. Right now in Holy Week, we're living inside the story of the Bible, and we've seen that God has done over and over and over again just what he promises to do in this passage. Even in creation, if you were here at 4 or at 7 p.m., you saw that beautiful dance of creation, God gave to Adam and Eve fruit from so many trees to eat. He provided for them. Um, if you hear when Megan preached on Melchizedek, he came to Abram not empty-handed, but with bread and with wine to give Abram what he needed. Even in God's promise to David, he was providing what was needed. And now we're coming to the next part of that story where the people of Israel are waiting. They've been besieged by enemies. They've faced disaster. And they want to know, will we be taken care of now? And God is saying, I've done it over and over and over again, and I promise to do it for you. You will be well fed. But there's another reason that it might be hard to believe that the offer is good. Sometimes we might be asking a different question. Not, is God faithful? Is, is he good enough? But am I good enough? It's so easy in our lives to feel like if anything good is going to happen to me, I have to lock it down. I have to plan. If I'm going to have bread on the table at home, I have to go earn the paycheck. If I'm going to experience things in life that I enjoy or that I want my family to have, I have to make sure that it happens. It's all on me. And this passage addresses this question as well of, Am I going to make the cut? Do I have what it takes? Am I good enough to be well fed? It says, come by wine and milk without money and without price. God is saying, you do not have to pay for this. When I was maybe in third grade, I had saved up some money in a piggy bank, and um, I realized that I had enough to maybe actually buy some Christmas gifts for the first time for family members. And so um, I really wanted to buy something for my mom in particular. And so dad drove me um, to the wonderful, uh, you know, pinnacle of consumer experience, Walmart. Um, and uh, I thought, at Walmart, surely I'll be able to find something I can afford um, to get for mom for Christmas. And I really wanted to, to kind of make the decision independently. So dad, you know, came into the store with me, but then let me go do my own thing. And he says, you know, you can even check out yourself, um, and, and then we'll meet up again. And so I looked very carefully. I found just the perfect thing. Um, I had uh, enough money to cover it. I counted it out. And I got to uh, the checkout, and they added on the sales tax, which I, I didn't know what sales tax was as a third grader. All I knew is suddenly I didn't have enough money anymore. So I gave them all I had, and I was still short. I was so embarrassed. 
I felt like, I don't know what to do. And then this elderly gentleman who was right behind me in line said, don't worry, I, I can pay the rest. It's fine. I was so relieved and happy that I still had this gift. I didn't have to go put it, put it back on the shelf. And that is just God's approach to us. When we're feeling like, I don't know if I can lock this down. I, I don't think I can pay for this good offer. God says, don't worry. I want to pay what you can't pay. And we might ask, how can that be possible? How, how can God be that generous? How can he cover the cost of everything, everything we need for our lives? And we know now, as we're approaching the resurrection celebration, that the answer is in Jesus, that this prophecy looks ahead to how he will pay the price that we could not pay in his own offering of his body, his life upon the cross. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. You see, this is how we know that God can really be true to his word. This is how we know that he will pay the price that we cannot pay. Because the needs of our life are so profound that the only thing that can really feed us is God's own life, the heartbeat of God himself. And in Jesus, God gives us exactly that. He gives us himself fully and freely and with abandon. When Jesus says, I am the living bread, he's saying, I am God's life. God's blood flows through my veins. I'm the one who came down from heaven. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. That life of God is what I'm giving to you as a gift. Now at three in the morning, I imagine most of you are here because you've taken that initial step of believing that that's true about Jesus. You've received that living bread. You know where to get fed from the Lord. And so for us, if, if we know where to get fed, it's just a matter of coming and eating. It's just a matter of coming to the feast that God lays for us. Uh, Katie and I were on a date recently. Um, we decided to visit the Chicago Botanical Gardens because we had never been there before. Uh, and not much is in bloom yet, to be honest, but it was really beautiful to see how they had laid out the gardens and, and they have some Japanese influence in certain areas. So we went on these bridges that would go to an island and it was just really fun. But we got pretty deep into the gardens. Um, there's many, many acres. Um, and my stomach started growling, and I remembered we had decided we would go to Chipotle um, because Katie had a two-for-one deal for burritos or burrito bowls um, with a gym membership that she had. But then I realized we're in the middle of the gardens, and I'm already hungry. But I knew where to get the food, right? So all I had to do was put one foot in front of the other all the way out of the gardens, all the way back several blocks away to where we had parked our car, get in the car. It was an hour drive all the way back to Wheaton, but I knew I was heading in the right direction. And when we got there, it was good. I got the burrito with both beans and with chicken and with fajita veggies, and I bit into it. And because Katie had paid for hers first, it was free. And I thought, this was worth the wait. I am going to be well fed tonight. Well, that is just how it is with Jesus. We know where to get the food. 
We know that Jesus has the life we need, but we just have to put one foot in front of the other to go to where the food is. And so I just want to talk about three simple ways where we can do that in the coming weeks and months. Um, The first way is what we've been doing all night, which is to come to Jesus in the words of the Bible itself. Um, These are living words. These are words that can change your heart. And as we soak in Scripture, what a privilege like we have tonight to just let the words of Scripture wash over us. As you continue to do that in your own life, you can meet Jesus there, and he will feed you. He will give you the sustenance you need. Another way that we can come and eat the food is through the practice of silence. Silence allows us to unstop our spiritual ears so that we can hear the voice of God above the noise and the fray of our own activities and of those going on around us. You need to find a practical way uh, wherever you live, whether you're by yourself or whether you're with roommates or with family, uh, you need to figure out a structure in your week so that you have dedicated times of silence. I know it can be really challenging. It has been for me. But creating those times will create a room where you and God can meet together. Uh, Philosopher and theologian Dallas Willard says, only silence will allow us life-transforming concentration upon God. And finally, another way to come and eat the food that Jesus offers is at the table that he sets for us whenever we celebrate Holy Communion. We can come, and as we come with faith, and literally put the bread into our mouth and put the wine to our lips, receive his life into our bodies and into our souls. So come with faith. And the celebration when this table will be set again is not now far away tonight. So we know where to get the food. We know ways that we can come to Jesus and receive it. But what does that look like in our lives? Well, if you're here and you haven't actually taken that step of putting your faith in Jesus, of saying, yes, I want to eat that meal, I am so impressed that you were here at 3.30 in the morning. Uh, Thank you for joining us, crazy people who do this in the middle of the night. But I just want to say it is real. This life that Jesus offers, that he says he can give to us, it's not just a story. It's not just a tradition. It's not just religious activities. It's actually a real thing that you can experience. So if if that is attractive to you, if you think you're ready for that, to say, yeah, I I want to receive that life, then just come to the feast tonight. Come talk with a prayer minister or find someone next to you. Come talk to me and say, tell me how I can be at that table. I want to eat that bread. I want to receive God's life for my life. And if you're here because you know that feast, you know that Jesus will give you what you need, then let Holy Week just sink into your body. Let everything you've seen and heard and smelled and felt over the past few days and in the hours to come today sink into your soul and carry it with you in the coming months and the whole year ahead. Throw off anything that prevents you from coming to Jesus just as you are to eat what he provides for you. Come, 
by wine and milk, without money and without price. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.